Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Joy Russell with Keller Williams Realty in Prairieville, Louisiana. Last year, she closed 96 transactions with a total sales volume of $17 million. Her average sales price was $171,000, of which 60% were buyers and 40% were sellers. Joy is a solo agent with three assistants, one executive assistant, one marketing assistant, and one part-time inside sales agent. Joy has been an agent for 14 years and works the Baton Rouge market. In her best year, 2016, Joy sold 126 homes worth $20 million. In this call, Joy talks about how she sold 96 homes last year why she works as a solo agent and doesn't want any buyer agents, how she took six months off last year to travel the world, but not all at once, her love of traveling to different countries to see different cultures. She's already been to 37 countries. When she's at work, she's totally focused on dollar productive activities. When she's on vacation, she totally disconnects from the business. How she only works 8 to 5 during the week and rarely works on the weekend. Why 99% of her clients wait for her to return from a trip before transacting real estate. Hint, they want joy only. What her daily schedule looks like. Why she prospects for 2 hours every day but never cold calls strangers. How she achieves an 85% profit margin and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Joy. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. Hey, Joy, it's great to have you here. Joy, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Okay, so I have actually been working since I was nine. I've actually started working when I was nine to kind of have money to pay for things at school and things like that. So I've always been working. So I started working in my church and then I had like summer programs that I would be involved with to to pay for my school clothes and, you know, shoes and things like that. Worked at McDonald's during high school, worked at a little bakery during college, plus work study. And then after I graduated from college, then I started working as human resource manager. Then I went into management. Then I went into marketing. And then finally, real estate. What made you decide to go into real estate? Well, I purchased my first house at the age of 21, exactly one month after I graduated college. And then I bought my second house two years later at 23. And I noticed how much money the agent made. So really, that was the honest reason. I noticed how much money she made. I was a single parent during that time. I needed more flexibility. 
So I went to real estate school and got my license within 30 days and started real estate right after that. So right after I bought my second house, I got into real estate a couple of months later. Okay, so a couple years out of college, you saw how much money was being made in real estate and decided to take the plunge. Exactly. Because <laughs> basically <laughs> on the second time go round, I paid a lot more attention. I actually basically found the property myself during that time, you know, properties were in newspapers. I don't even get a newspaper anymore, so I don't even know if that's another means of finding houses, but I actually was online, I was riding around, I was looking in newspapers, and I was sending the properties to the agent instead of the agent sending the properties to me. So I just said, oh, you know what, this is pretty easy, I can do it. <laughs> you know, it's not as easy as I thought it was, but that was my mindset at 23. Well, tell us about that first year. Did you have a fast start or a slow start? Um, I had a fast start because I had no choice but to have a fast start. I quit my job. And during that time, I was making really good money uh, to say I was only 23 years old. I was a marketing contractor with two home health companies. And the main home health company that I was working with, I guess actually this might be another reason why I did it. They were actually relocating back to Covington, which is close to an hour away. And I really did not want to commute back and forth. So that's kind of how their whole real estate situation came into play with the flexibility and things like that. That's why I decided that I wanted to get into real estate. That's basically how I got into this business. So pretty much one month into it, you know, I didn't have anyone to really teach me or coach me on what to do. I just basically looked at what I was doing, basically what the agent was doing when I first purchased my house. So the very first time I purchased my house, I was going into a store, a restaurant actually, to purchase lunch. And the agent was just standing on a corner with some flyers and she handed me a flyer. And I wasn't ready to purchase a house at that point, but I, I kept the flyer. And then when I was actually ready, I picked up the flyer and called that particular agent. And then as far as the second agent, I called the first agent back and she referred me over to the agent because she wasn't really doing real estate during that time. So basically I used that model to get started in the business. So I printed out flyers, I printed out postcards, and I knew that I had to find buyers. So I, I never was really focused on the listing side. I just needed the fastest way to make money. I knew that buyers were the fastest way. So I didn't have a sphere at that time. So what I did was I was always the first person in the office. And by the time everybody was coming in the office, I was leaving the office with my marketing materials in hand. And I was door knocking. So I found rental areas and I knocked on the door every day for two to three hours. And that's how I jump started my business. And I was rookie of the year my first year in the business. Do you recall how many homes you sold that first year? I did about 7 million in production the first year. For the rest of us, do you know what that would translate into units? I mean, I've always done about 50 to 60 units a year. So that first year might have been a little bit less than that. So it might have been about maybe 40, 45, something like that. Wow, that is a fantastic start. 40, 45 homes sold your first year. You were going out door knocking in uh, apartments and rental areas and finding tenants that want to buy. <laughs> That's great. Exactly. But that first year was actually very hard because I almost got out the business my first year. 
once I switched companies, I switched companies about four months into being in real estate. And my broker told me that if I left his company, that I would never sell real estate again. So during that time, I had 10 transactions that were under contract. I went over to the new brokerage and all 10 of those transactions fell apart within a 60-day time frame. And so I was like, oh my goodness, he cursed me. So that, <laughs> that's really what I thought. And being a brand new agent, you have people talking like, she's not going to make it in this business. Oh, she needs to go out and get a real job. And during that time, I was, I was getting my MBA. So everybody, even my family, like, okay, why are you in school? Why are you doing this if you're just going to sell real estate? Like real estate was not considered, and it might not still be considered a real job, but that's what everybody was saying. So for a second, I did consider it, but then I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I got into this business for a reason, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure it works. So I just started door knocking more than what I was in the beginning. And about six months or so into the business, I was asked to sit on the board of directors for the company that I was with. And I was only in a business six months, but I was asked to sit on the board of directors. And that basically, you know, that kind of jump-started me uh, in a whole nother level. And I was always in the top 10 with that company until I started my own brokerage. Wow. How long were you working with someone else before you started your own brokerage? It was four and a half years. Four and a half years. So I was at that particular brokerage four and a half years, yes. And then I started my own brokerage. So about five years into your career is when you made that about switch. About five business, exactly. Okay, yes. cool. Very good. Thank you. Well, let's do this. Let's fast forward to today. How long have you been in the business now? Uh, about 14 and a half years. Wow. And how many homes did you sell last year? And what was the sales volume? Um, last year, I only worked six months, so take that into consideration. <laughs> so I, I was actually out of town every every other week. I sold 96 homes last year, and my average sales volume is around $170,000. Oh, so, so your average sales price? How about the total sales volume? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, total sales volume is $16.5 million. Wow, that's cool. And do you recall your GCI last year? Uh, I was a little over 500000 That's nice. Very good. And just to wrap up some of these numbers real quick, what was your best year? What year was it? How many homes did you sell? And what was the sales volume? My best year was 2016. I worked nine months that year, uh, basically because of the flood. We actually, uh, my house actually flooded that year as well. And I took a lot of time off to try to get my house gutted and back in order. So that particular year, I sold 126 transactions, 19.8 something, like almost 19.9 million um, sales volume. <laughs> that is great. And just to wrap up this section, do you have any idea how many homes you've sold in your career, uh, what the volume was, total GCI, any of those kind of numbers? Um, I've sold at least 900, <laughs> at least 900 homes over the last 14 and a half years. So Looks like that's about $3 million in GCI and about $114 million in production. Thanks for giving us some of those stats. You said something, and, and I've got to ask about it. You said that last year you sold 96 homes and you only worked six months of the year. You have to explain that to me. I, I'm confused. How did you pull that off? Well, I have assistants, 
So I have a executive assistant, which is also my business partner in this business. She's the one that keeps me on track and pretty much holds down the fort when I am away. I have a marketing assistant. She does all of my social media marketing and all of the creative ideas as well. And then I have a part-time ISA who calls and follows up on old leads that comes in just to see if they are still interested in buying a house. But the way that I pretty much do it is I pretty much follow my schedule. So that's very important. I start work at 8.30 in the morning and I am finished typically by 5 o'clock and or 5.30 in the afternoon. But when I'm in town, I'm very, very focused on the task at hand. I don't allow anything or anyone to disrupt that schedule. Also, as far as clients, most of my clients will wait for me to get back in town. So I don't lose clients because I'm away, because they know that I am going to take great care of them. I make sure that with my lender, you know, we, we have a good partnership going on as well. So a lot of times he will make sure that they have everything in hand. And by the time I come back, then that's when he issues the pre-approval. And then I can start and get everybody under contract that week. So ideally, I can work with about 10 people within a week. Um, now, not always do I have 10 under contract that week, but I do have the ability to take two people out or go on two or three appointments every single day, even with the listing appointments. The listing appointments don't take as long as the buyers do, but um, I have the ability to do about 10 clients a week. And if I understand correctly, you're a little bit heavier weighted on the buyer side, maybe 60% buyer, 40% seller. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Well, this is really interesting. Now, you say you're vacationing or you're gone six months out of the year. Just to clarify, you're not working like January through June and then taking July through December off. It sounds like you're traveling on long weekends or how is that schedule working on your vacation schedule? So people get a clear picture of what you're talking about there. So it's every other week. Uh, if I'm out of the country, those trips are 10 to 14 days typically. And if I'm traveling within the state, like within the, the nation, then those trips can be five to seven days. So it just really depends. This year, I am doing a lot of weekend trips. I've already been, so it's now April, and I have been to... South Africa, I've been to Swaziland, I've been to Paris, I've been to Amsterdam, I've been to Dominican Republic, I've been to the Bahamas, let's see what else, and then I have a lot of state trips too. So I've already done all of that this year so far, and it's just April, and my business is still operating <laughs> as normal, like right now I'm like incredibly busy, but I mean, that's just how I operate. I can handle a lot at one time, and I know a lot of people may not be able to do that, but I'm like... I'm a high D and maybe HD, HD, AD as well, <laughs> but um, I just have to keep moving. So if I'm being still, then I'm not being productive. So I am always doing something. Like whenever I get, I have a house basically to sleep in and to cook in, and that's it. Like I really don't spend any time <laughs> in my house whatsoever, but it's just because that's just how I am. I just like to be active. And it sounds like you like to travel. I love to travel, yes. It, it sounds like it's, a, it's more than most people. It's a, a passion. What do you enjoy most about traveling? Uh, meeting new people, experiencing new things, just seeing another way of life, basically. Something that's different from what I experience on a daily basis. So 
So I've been to 37 countries so far, and the goal is to visit at least 100 out of the 198 countries. Ah, so you do have a goal. You're looking to visit 100 countries. When's the deadline? I don't have a deadline. It'll probably be more than 100 countries. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's just a start, just to visit at least half of them. I'm sure there are people listening that would love to travel as much as you are. It sounds like you've got an incredible schedule. So if I understand, I'm getting a better picture now. It sounds like you work really hard for a week or two, and then you take a vacation. Then you come back and work hard for a week or two, and then you take a vacation. Does that sound right? Yes. And during those times, so I know you've heard people say that if you want to be busy in your career, go out of town. So a couple of days before I leave to go out of town, my phone starts ringing tremendously, especially those two or three days before I go out of town. Like I am probably showing four or five clients in a day just because I have so many people. Like the day before, at that point, I can't do it anymore because I have to pack. I'm a last minute packer. There's just a lot of things I have to complete before I go out of town, especially if it's an international trip. But yeah, it's like, Whenever I'm leaving to go out of town, my business picks up tremendously. And if I am like, just like I tried this last January, um, I said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to travel as much as I did the year before. And so that month, January up until maybe mid-February, I was incredibly slow. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like what's going on? So it was like the universe was telling me, Joy, like you're not happy just being here. So in order for you to hit the numbers that you need to hit, you need to go and do what your passion is. So that's what I did. And my business picked up tremendously. So I've just now made that a part of my life just to leave and come back. So I disengage and then I engage again. And I think that that's the best way for me to do things. I know a lot of people, when they travel, they're still working on their vacation. And I typically don't, especially when I'm out of the country, because I only get a tech package. So I don't even get a package where I'm talking on the phone or anything like that because that just defeats the purpose of being gone on vacation. So I completely disconnect and then I come back and I'm busy as can be and then I disconnect again. So that's how I keep my sanity. You have your three assistants are helping while you're gone. They're managing the transactions, the current clients. They're keeping the, the ship going down the river there while you're out there vacationing, your people at least have somebody to talk to, your clients and customers. Yes. Okay. Very good. And so the group of people that you're working with, the assistants, are any of them licensed? Yes. My my business partner, my executive assistant, she is licensed. So yeah, she's a DC personality. I'm a DI personality. So it works really well. Does your executive assistant, does she take buyers out or sign up listings with sellers? She will do listings while I'm away, and uh, she doesn't really like working with buyers (laughs) as far as taking them out and things like that, but she will go on listing appointments for me. Um, As far as the buyers, I will typically find someone in my office, and this is only if they cannot wait or if there's a house that will not stay on the market. Then I will refer them to someone that's in my downline in my market center typically and they will work that buyer for me. But a lot of times whenever I come back, yeah, by the time I come back in town, I have a list of people that wanted to wait to talk to me only. So 
But like I said, most of my clients are going to want to work with me. If it's a referral, they want to work with me. And it will wait until I get back. What percentage of the buyers won't wait and ask to be referred out? Probably maybe one or two percent. Not much at all. Wow, it is small. Have you ever considered bringing on a buyer agent to work with these folks while you're out of town? If I could find the right buyer's agent, I would. But that's very, very difficult. I have tried. And I don't know, if I could clothe myself, I would have a great buyer's agent. But I just hadn't found someone that actually liked the work the way that I like to work and have that same drive to achieve the goal. So do you see that that this is the model that you'll use for the rest of your career? Do you see that the group getting bigger, shrinking, staying the same? Is this the model you want to continue with? Well, for right now, it is the model I would like to continue with. Once I'm ready to retire, which would be pretty soon, I'm not retiring at 50 or 55 or 45 or even 65. My plan is to retire before that. So at that point, I may form a team maybe a couple of years before before I retire. But right now, I'm still not looking at that because forming a team it's not as easy as most people think. And they, they figure that out, you know, around that first year, second year of having a team. When you're forming a team, it's now, you now have to focus on all of your buyer's agents and your, if you have listing agents as well, you're training those people. You're basically taking from your business now to make sure that everyone else is fed. And right now, I just, with the model that I have when I'm out of town every two weeks, I really don't have time to really focus on someone else. I mean, that's just, to be honest, I I just can't at this point. Um, Or maybe I'm just not willing to do it at this point. That's really interesting. You also said you want to retire. You want to retire really early. And when you say retire, do you mean retiring is you're not going to do any other work? Do you mean retire is in you're going to stop doing real estate, you're going to do something else? When I say retire, I mean stepping out of the business as far as meeting with clients and, you know, showing property and things of that nature. So I have a retirement plan right now, which is to purchase a ton of rental property. So that's what I'm working on right now. And that rental property will basically take care of everything that I'm making right now. And then also I coach real estate agents as well. So I will continue the coaching. I also speak and I would probably do that. I would do that more than what I'm doing right now a lot more and I would actually charge. So those are the three things that I'm looking to do. That way I can travel as much as I want to travel. Like right now I still feel limited, which might sound crazy (laughs) to some people. (laughs) But like if there's a cruise that's leaving for a month, then I'm like, well, I can't leave for an entire month. My business is going to be slow the next month or whatever. That's what I'm thinking now. I still don't have the freedom that I want to have. Like I want to be able to leave for three months and still have the same amount of money coming in. So with having the rental property, that would be a constant flow of income coming in every month. And of course, sometimes your tenants don't pay, but if I have enough rental property, then it's not going to matter. And then as far as coaching, I can coach a person from wherever I am. There's so much technology in play. Even if I'm not on the phone, I can use Facebook or other forms, FaceTime and you know things like that to have a face-to-face, even Zoom. You know, you can talk to a person that way over the internet 
and I can coach. So there are a lot of other things that I could do besides the daily hustle of real estate. I've done it for a long time. Like I said, I've been working since I was nine. So I've been working a long time, really. So that's my, that's my plan. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. You say that you've got this retirement plan in place. When is the time horizon for this? What are you shooting for? How far out? The next five years. Five years. Wow. That's amazing. And would you mind me asking, uh, how many rental properties do you think it's going to take in order to achieve that? At least 30. So about 30 rental properties? Yes, preferably 50, but I'm going to say between 30 to 50. 30 to 50. And, and I can tell from your personality, you've, you've already run the numbers, you've already got it figured out, and I assume you're already on the track and you already own rental properties and you're already handling some property management. Is that true? Well, I don't do property management anymore, but when I was in my 20s, I had close to 20. I think I had like 18 to 20 rental properties. I actually sold them all. So right now I only have three properties, but I am every single day, I'm still looking for more property. I'm doing flips right now as well. So I'm working on acquiring several flips and I just flipped one January. So it's in the process. So it's kind of like I'm starting all over, which is fine because I know that I have the ability to do it. So you're doing some flips to generate some extra cash. Are you doing that inside or outside of your retirement account? Um, Oh, and I have that as well. I didn't mention that. Um, I'm doing this outside of my retirement account. So right now, basically, I'm paying cash for most of the stuff that I have. We were talking, you know, we went back and forth. We communicated before we got into this interview. And did I understand correctly that you're financially free at this point? Yes, except for the mortgage. (laughs) Other than that, I have no other expenses besides my assistance. So, um, and that's taken from, you know, the business income. And I get the impression that you're keeping your team lean and mean because it's very profitable. Is that true? Well, at this point, that's all I need in order to run the business. My assistant has an assistant. So whenever she's unable to do some things, then her assistant steps in. So at this point, I don't really need anyone else. When you say the assistant to the assistant, are you talking about the marketing assistant? Is that person stepping in? My executive assistant. So when your executive assistant takes a break, does the marketing assistant step in? No, my executive assistant has an assistant. So her assistant steps up to the plate. So my marketing assistant is only in charge of doing marketing, flyers, creative ideas, things that's going to generate business. That's her job. My executive assistant, her job is to take care of all of the paperwork, talk to clients, lenders, mortgage companies. That's basically what she does. So she has an assistant to help her with paperwork and things like that when she's unable to do so. Oh, okay. Does your executive assistant pay directly for her assistant? Yes. Okay, so she's not an assistant on your team. The executive's assistant is not on your group or not on your payroll. Um, Yes, my executive assistant is, but her assistant is not. Her assistant, she pays for her assistant. Interesting. Okay, so 
kind of that contractor model you were talking about before you got into real estate. Uh-huh. Basically. The marketing assistant, is that person full-time or part-time? Uh, she's part-time. So she does about 20 to 25 hours a week, typically. And you mentioned also the other member of the team is a part-time ISA. They make some phone calls for you. The old days, they uh-huh. call them callers, but they're making phone calls for you to keep everybody in touch while you're out of town. Is that what's happening there? What she's doing is she's following up on old leads that have come through like over the last couple of years. Um, you know, we all have all of these people that we have and just we never have time to follow up with them. So that's her job. She goes through and she calls everyone and kind of make sure that the database is accurate and up to date. So she's only working like 10 hours a week. Joyce, so everybody knows where you're at in case they missed it. Where are you? Where is Prairieville, Louisiana? Well, my office is in Prairieville, but I actually live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I'm about an hour from New Orleans. And Baton Rouge is the state capital. Yeah, you mentioned there was a pretty bad flood a couple years ago, and you said even your house got flooded. Yes. Yeah, that'll throw things off. Has everything recovered since then? Um, Actually, I am just now finishing my house. Wow. <laughs> it took forever. Yeah, we had a lot of con artists, contractors to come in and they would start jobs and not finish them or take some money and then never come back and finish the job. So I've been through, I think, like four contractors. So finally found a really good one who came in, finished it at a reasonable price. And now I'm just working on trying to decorate the house. So everything's basically done now. Now you mentioned you get on task and you stay very focused. You mentioned having a perfect day or perfect schedule. Could you tell us what that schedule is? What does it look like? What does your day look like? Okay, so 8.30, I'm sitting at my desk. Uh, Well, I wake up at 7.30. And by 8.30, I am sitting at my desk. I am checking emails, text messages, things have come through the day before, phone calls as well. From 9 to 11, I lead generate. From 11 to 12.30, I follow up on my leads. And from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock or 5.30, I go on appointments, negotiate contracts. It's very simple and clear-cut, isn't it? Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's the best way for me to be. I don't need any complication in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I try to live a, a stress-free and worry-free life, so nothing really phases me. So let's talk about that time between 9 and 11, that lead gen. What are you doing during that time? So I can be doing a a lot of different things. So my lead generation is not the same every single day just because I get bored pretty easily. So sometimes I'm calling my sphere, um, past clients. Sometimes I am on Facebook, sending messages through Messenger to people trying to get business. Sometimes I am texting my sphere or, you know, any type of business or professional relationships that I have business cards from. So I might just start doing that. Basically, that's what I do. I'm on a phone or I'm texting the majority of the time to get business. Do you have an objective for a certain number of contacts or conversations each day? Uh, 20 conversations per day on the lead generation side. The follow-up could be more just depending on what I have going that particular day. So do you track that? Are you using something to track the number of contacts you're making or do you just do it for the two hours and you know it's going to work out? 
Yes, I just do it for the two hours. So when I tell you I am very simple, I don't pay for, like, the only thing I have is Lion Desk, and Lion Desk was less than $20 a month. So I have no systems or, you know, I have none of that that I'm paying for. I have CTE, but that's paid through my market center. CTE is where I track my goals and my current business. So I always know, you know, where I am for the year and where I need to be. Wow, okay. And on this schedule, so you make the contact a combination of calls and text messages. I assume maybe some emails. You do get on some Facebook messaging. Your goal is basically 20 contacts per day there. And then the next time slot is 11 to 12. You're making follow-up calls. How are those different from the lead gen calls? Okay, so my follow-up is basically with my active buyers and my active listings. And that's when I'm calling to see whether or not they've received a list of properties that I sent, if they have any questions. You know, if we have an offer in, we're, I'm talking about whatever that counter is at that time, you know, just gauging them. Anybody that called and I've sent them to the lender, I'll call and follow up with them to make sure that the lender has called them, that they've given the information. So it's basically just touching base with everyone, all of the leads that I have to make sure that I have a constant flow of people that I'm actually going on appointments with every day. So it's basically following up with them to get them out looking at a property or me coming by to list their property. And then you're setting that appointment for the afternoon between one and five. Are there certain time slots that you have or how does that work? No, it just really depends. Like, um, so today, for example, I have one closing at one thirty, and I have another closing at three o'clock. So my title company typically knows that any closing that I have needs to be one o'clock or later. I just basically let them know, hey, if someone needs to close in the morning, try to get them to close in the afternoon. If not, then I'm not going to be able to make that closing. So they know that. I mean, sometimes I do have to miss closing because, you know, someone has to have it in the morning. But I try to, like I said, I follow that schedule. So I am not available to do it in the morning. So all of my closings are in the afternoon. As far as my buyers, it just really depends. Typically, I start at 1 o'clock. And then if somebody else comes along, then we will go out either at 2.30 or 3. Um, and then if it's one property, typically I will do that at 5 o'clock or 5.30. So each client takes about an hour and a half if I'm showing them five properties. Sometimes it may be two hours, just depending on proximity of the, the listings that I'm showing them. Do you have appointments on the weekends? Sometimes. So, for example, I had a client that came in from Texas this weekend, and she was only in town for two days. So I did take her out, but that was my only appointment that day. If it's someone who is only available in the evenings to see property, I will take them out on a Saturday to show them property because I would prefer to do it on a Saturday when I really don't have anything to do and I'm in town than to do it in the evening time. Yeah, that was a question I had is it sounds like you're able to avoid working the evenings for, say, a listing appointment or a buyer who wants to go out after work. How are you making that happen? How are you getting people to meet you during the day rather than the evening or the weekend? Um, because I asked them up front, what does their schedule look like for the week? That's always my question. And so then they'll tell me, and then that's how I arrange the schedule. So if they tell me, okay, well, I'm off every day. Um, I get off at 5 o'clock. I can meet you for 530. Then I say, okay, well, 
what is your weekend look like? And then that's when I said, oh, I'm free on Saturdays and Sundays. So I was like, okay, well, we'll, we'll go out on Saturday. Okay, very good. So you're working Saturday to maybe show a buyer. How about Sunday? Are you working Sundays? Not really, but sometimes if I'm not doing anything, I will go out and show like one property. It's really not normal. I, I rarely work on a Sunday. And when I'm working on a Saturday, really, it's only for a couple of hours. So it's not, to me, that's, I'm really not working. Why did you decide to do your lead generation first thing in the morning? Uh, because typically that's the task that nobody wants to do. <laughs> so if you go ahead and get it out the way, then it's done for the day and you can go ahead and continue on with the other activities that you have. Where did you learn that? Where did you learn how to set up this schedule? Honestly, well, the 9 to 11 actually came from Keller Williams when I started there. 9 to 11 was always the lead generation time. And I pretty much just kind of stuck with that over the years. And the rest of it just kind of came natural, I guess. You know, after I do the leads, then it's time for me to go ahead and start working on the everything that's at test. So that's how the follow-up came into place. Okay, so now it's time for me to follow up with these clients. And then the last thing is to go ahead and go on my appointment. So over the years, that just became what worked best for me. And I, I'm sure there are other agents that do the same thing. So I don't think it's, you know, unique to me, but that's just how I run the business. If I understand correctly, about 90% of your business, the majority of your business is coming from repeats and referrals from your past clients and sphere of influence. Let's talk about that for a second. You mentioned Lion Desk. I assume that's a database. Do you have a database of past clients and sphere of influence? If so, what software are you using and how big is the database? I just got Lion Desk last month, I want to say, but I use something as simple as an Excel file. So everybody is on an Excel spreadsheet and whenever I need to go in and make additions, then I'll add them on and I'll send it over to my marketing rep. And then she, um, she knows who we need to mail the next month or whatever needs to be done with our 33 touch. So that really is an Excel file. I have lined this, but I haven't really learned it yet. <laughs> so Everyone is stored there, but I'm not necessarily really using that. We just kind of work off of an Excel sheet. I'm simple, very simple. I, I am not a techie. There's a lot of agents who are very technology savvy. I just don't have time to learn it. So I just stick to what I know. And that's, that's what I know. <laughs> and it's working. That's great. Now, do you know how many people are in your database, in your Excel spreadsheet? I just made changes to it. In January, so like right now, we have about 700 people in it in that particular database. Now, I have another database that I haven't really started working yet, but I do have another database. What I did was I had my ISA to take all of my business cards that I've accumulated over the last few years. I just gave them to her, and she put everybody in a spreadsheet. So I'm going to start working that database as well, and that one has probably about 500 people in it. The original database, the 700, those are past clients and then uh, sphere of influence people that you've met? Exactly. So it should be more, but everybody does not get added to the database. How do you decide who gets added and who gets deleted? I don't have a really great answer for that. Sometimes, you know, you have transactions where, you know, it wasn't the most pleasant. And then it's like, okay, I can't wait till this transaction is over. So I just let it, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> After that, I always add those people to my database if 
there's like a, a huge situation that happened or whatever during the transaction. And sometimes that does happen. Also, if someone, you know, sometimes people move and they don't necessarily follow up and give you their new information. So at that point, I might, if I try to get in touch with them, I can't, then they get deleted out the database. And if someone's not sending referrals or anything over a few years time frame, then typically I'll take them out the database as well. Do you ask specifically for referrals? I do. Is that part of the conversation that's happening during your lead gen or when is that happening? It's happening during lead gen. It's happening every day on my Facebook. Basically, 12 o'clock, there's a post that asks for business, asks for someone to call me if they know somebody's looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate. During the conversation, I'm checking to see you know, how they're enjoying their new house, what's going on with their family, what's going on with their job, if they've taken a vacation. So basically, that forward. And then at the end, I ask them if they know anybody that's looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate. If they say no, then I would say I would appreciate, you know, if you could text me their name and number and let me know if anyone comes across and tell them to have a great day. That's basically what I'm doing. Let's talk about how you're staying in touch with the database. It's working so well. You've talked about when. Give us the schedule of what your marketing plan is or your plan to stay in touch with these people, say, over the course of a year. Okay, so I try to add the majority of my clients to my Facebook. So there's a lot of engagement that goes on there just on a daily basis with what's going on in their life, what's going on in my life. So I'm able to touch people, a greater number of people through social media. And then also we do mail out, we do emails, we send out items of value. We have client events as well. Try to you know make sure I acknowledge their birthdays. That's basically how I'm keeping in touch. How often do you mail out and what do you send? Um, so we send out recipe cards. And I actually just started doing a Facebook Live on Monday. So on Friday, I post a recipe on my Facebook page. And on Monday at 7.30, I go live and cook the recipe. So that actually gets a lot of engagement, a lot of viewers, things like that. And I'm also mentioning real estate on that Facebook Live. <laughs> That's great. How many people are showing up for your Facebook Live? Uh, well, last week I had, I want to say about 800. And then the week before that, I had like 1,300. Amazing. Wow. Okay. So you're getting a lot of people to show up for this cooking. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so you're mailing out the recipe card. How often are you doing that? How often does that card go out? Well, that particular recipe card goes out every Friday. So it's wow. on my Facebook, actually. Okay. And so, and then they get another recipe like once a month. Monthly mail out of the recipe card and then weekly on Facebook. Yes. Okay, cool. And then you mentioned also you're doing email. What are you sending out? How often? So typically it's like a market report, just letting them know the changes that's going on in the market, or it could be some type of tip. So it just really depends on, you know, what's going on in that particular month, and we kind of cater it to that. And how often do you send out email to your past clients in Sphere of Influence? Once a month. So that's another monthly. So now you're up to 24 contacts a year or so. And then you mentioned you also have client events. How often and what are you doing? Um, last year I did three. So 
I typically have a big party in December. We did the last weekend of November this year. I think I'm going to keep it at the last week of November because it's easier. And then I had a pie giveaway and I did a turkey giveaway. Actually, in the year before that, I did four. I did a turkey giveaway and toy giveaway. So it was four that year. This year, I want to have a few more than that, some other fun things. So I'm in the process of kind of planning those things right now. That's fantastic. Well, we've heard a lot about your business model, how you're putting things together. And uh, people listening probably have a question. That is, are you profitable? Yes. Um, This year, I'll be more profitable. So right now, my expenses are at 15%, not including my taxes. Wow. Did you say your expenses are at 15%? Yes. So that means your net profit margin is around 85%? Minus taxes, yes. That is, well, before taxes, that's an amazing net. And (laughs) I assume that is why you're running this model. It's very profitable at a high net profit margin to run a model like this. Yes. And it's it's just easier. It's easier on me. Um, You know, if I know that I'm the only person I need to worry about, it just makes it easier. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And you're such a driver. You're a D. You make it happen. Well, that brings me to my next question, Joy. What drives you? My goal every single day is to motivate, encourage, and inspire other people while living a life by design. So if I live my life to the fullest every single day and I am doing everything that I possibly can to help other people or show people a different way of life, then I feel that I've done my job. So I'm always getting text messages or responses on my Facebook page to how, like, how they're thanking me for inspiring them or motivating them and just really leading by example. So that's basically how I live my life. Like I said earlier, you'll never catch me stressed out or worried about anything because I don't feel that that's the best way to live. So like I said, I just live and I just exist and just try to be intentional in everything that I do. Well, Joy, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Um, The first thing that I would tell them to do is to read The Millionaire Real Estate Agent and continue to read that book every single year. Good advice. Joy, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing right now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? I do. I think that it gives an opportunity for for agents to see that there's more than one way of doing business and being successful in what you do. Um, you know, a lot of times, and even in the millionaire real estate agents, it's about, you know, creating a team. So a lot of people, they aspire to having a team and not knowing that, okay, well, if I really just stayed focused, I could do the same thing that a team is doing and, you know, or make the same amount of money that that rainmaker of a team is making, even though they might be selling more volume. But when you think how many systems they have to have in order to feed their team, that's also taking from their profit. So you can do the same thing without having to create a huge team, you know, in order to do so. But I just think that it just allows everyone to see that there are different ways of doing business that they may not have even thought of. And sometimes it's as simple as just going back to the basics, because that's all I'm doing in my business. I'm not doing anything special that no one else knows about. So when someone asks me if there's a secret, like I really don't have a secret. The only thing I can say 
that my secret would be is that I'm focused and I'm determined and, you know, I'm driven. Like that would be the only thing. That's something that you can't teach a person to be. That's just something that's within that person. Well, Joy, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? The only thing I could say is that if you want to be successful in this business, you have to know without a shadow of a doubt that you will be successful. You have to make sure that you are saying your affirmations every single day, that you're thinking positive of everything that happens in life, regardless of what the situation is. You know, I lost 10 deals within the first six months that I was in business, and I did not allow those 10 deals to stop me from doing what I sought out to do. So if you're serious about this business, then I would say that you need to stay focused. You know, you need to follow your schedule, regardless of what that is, and don't allow anyone to interrupt your schedule. And just make sure that you set goals and that you're following and staying on top of your goals at all times. Well, Joy, you have your business dialed in. You follow a regimented daily schedule filled with dollar productive activities. You have very specific goals for each activity time slot, yet allow yourself the flexibility to pursue that goal differently each day so you don't get bored. Your drive to travel has made you very efficient while at work and put a staff in place to handle the administrative side of the business while you are gone. You've adapted the business to fit your lifestyle and financial goals. Your business model is highly efficient and exceptionally profitable. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.